0: We're going to be talking today about becoming a godly influence. All of you, and if you turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, all of you have been influenced by somebody. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All of you have influenced somebody. Influence is neither good nor bad, it is just influence. <laughs> you think the Lord did that? <laughs> I just got my foot caught in the those wires. <laughs> Knock it off, Bill. <laughs> and and, and so, so what happens then is that we need to determine what kind of an influence am I going to be. When, when I grew up, my, my dad, uh, see, you, you have seasons of influence that you go through, and, and you don't want to miss the season to be able to be influenced by the right thing, and then to be an influencer at the right time in the right place. And right now, we have our five-year-old granddaughter, Molly. And uh, what did Molly, uh, we, we have, I have found that if, if a child is about three to six Oh, my goodness. They think their grandparents are awesome. They they think you can do absolutely no wrong. I love hanging with a three- to six-year-old grandchild. They think I know everything. Glory to God. It's only when they get a little bit older they start to question it. But what did Molly Molly's doing her hair coloring? Or, do you want to share that? That was so cute. Mo, Molly's five years old. And as you can tell, I'm growing something that my wife is, uh, you can try it if you want to. So far, 60% don't like it, 40% do like it. I asked Molly, the little five-year-old, I think was sure. Surely she's got an opinion. I say, what do you think, Molly? She says, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> uh, my little granddaughter has, a great, has great influence from her 18-year-old sister. And uh, so they did some pink, little pink strips right here in the front of their hair. She loved it. So in the car the other day, she said to me, now when this pink is gone, I'm, and she talks like an adult, she said, I'm going to put red here. And I want blue here. And then I want some purple and some... I just want to look like a rainbow, she said. And I said, well, uh, do you know, that will be kind of weird looking. People might look at you. And she goes, Meemaw, I'm not trying to change my image. I just want to change the color of my hair. (laughs) Oh... It's very difficult to admit that you're absolutely becoming controlled by a (laughs) five-year-old, but but I think that that is happening. But but um, I forgot where I was going. Where's that going? (laughs) Oh, the influence, yeah. Uh, the, the, the fathers are, are usually the really first godly influence along with mothers in a child's life. And sometimes we do it right, and sometimes we do it wrong. What Dan shared in the first serve, or just a few moments ago, was really great. Uh, Weston is 18, so we experimented on Weston, and now we know what we're doing with the other, what well, they have, four children, five children? Yeah. Four, yeah, five children. And uh, sometimes the kids will say to us, do you love those grandkids more than you loved us? And say, no, we just know what we're doing now. We experimented with you. You all, you all know that. So, okay. Before we get into the message, talking about influence, I received an email of a funny story. Now the first service thought this was, uh, was really funny. You know, you need to laugh a lot. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to laugh more than you do. Laughter and joy produces endorphins from your brain, and the endorphins come from your brain, and they go down to your nerve endings, the opiate, kind of like an opiate, and you get high on laughter, and then medicinally, the joy of the Lord is like a medicine, it comes into your body, a merry heart doeth good like a... Medicine. So if you laugh more, not only are you healthier, not only do your nerve endings get treated by that laughter, but also you look more handsome and more beautiful. Okay, so turn to that neighbor and just say, you need to laugh more. Okay, here we go. A burglar. Now, this has been around for a while, but but, uh, I've never shared this one. A burglar broke into a house one night. He shined his flashlight around looking for valuables. When a voice in the dark said, Jesus... Knows you're here. He nearly jumped out of his skin, clicked his flashlight off, and froze. When he heard nothing more, he shook his head and continued. Just as he pulled out the stereo to disconnect the wires and steal that, he heard, Jesus is watching you. Startled, he shined his light around frantically, looking for the source of the voice. Finally, in the corner of the room, his flashlight came to rest on a parrot. Did you say that? He hissed at the parrot. "'Yes,' the parrot confessed, and then squawked. "'I'm just trying to warn you that Jesus is watching you.' The burglar relaxed. "'Warn me, huh? Who in the world are you?' "'Moses,' replied the parrot. "'Moses,' the burglar laughed. "'What kind of people would name a bird Moses?' The parrot responded. The same kind who named their Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> 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 that is really cute. I like that one. For all of you dads, we have a wrist bracelet. Would you leave? Take as many as you want. Uh, what would Jesus do? WWJD. That would be a good way to live our life, wouldn't it? I want to read to you in the book of uh, Matthew, and then we'll get into the message here. It's basically. Jesus talking about you and I and that we need to get over ourselves and we need to get on with what he has for us. And this is how he summed it up. In uh, Matthew 16:24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If anyone to come, uh, desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it that if a man gains a whole world and loses his own soul, and what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. You know, we need to get over ourselves and get on with what God has for us. If we are about the Father's business, then we are going to be influencing people for Jesus. Manny, it's good to see you here. Manny has been influenced by this church over the years. Manny has been influenced by Acquire the Fire out in Texas. And Manny is a man of God who's going to be everything God has called him to be. Can you all say amen to that? Give Manny a hand. Now I want all of you to say, Manny, I want you to live up to that. (laughs) We have the ability everywhere we go to influence people. Pam told me one day, I told her something she needed to do, and she said, I don't think I'm going to do that. Or No, no, no. She said, you can't tell me to do that. And I said, you're absolutely wrong. I can tell you anything I want. <laughs> you don't have to do it, but I can tell you what you're going to do. Or, no, I can tell you what to do. I can't tell you what you're, going to, what you're going to do. The other day, Pam said to me, Molly was over, and I said something to Pam. She says, I don't think that's right. And I said, I said, if I said it, that settles it. She said, no, I don't think that's right. So I went around the corner, I got Molly. And I said, Molly, I want you to go in there and tell your grandma whatever pop says is the way it is. <laughs> Here's what I heard. Molly stomping in the room said, me, whatever pop says is the way it is. <laughs> I had to enlist a five-year-old to drive my point home. <laughs> But we have so much influence, and I, I was making a note as I was praying about this message and what the Lord was dropping in my heart. My dad was a great influence in my life, but I didn't know it at the time. Uh, I always thought my dad was just kind of, I don't know, just, just kind of, I don't know, just a nice guy. But my uncle, oh my goodness, he was cool. He drank beer. He smoked cigars. He had tattoos. He was the coolest guy I knew at the time. I thought he was so cool that I wanted to be like my uncle. Have you ever wanted to be like somebody, only to become like him and realize you didn't like who you were? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, so far I can relate. My uncle was not a good influence on my life. I remember being in the fourth grade. I was a bat boy for the Fairfield Softball team, and back in that era, they had a lot of softball leagues, and uh, they, most of the games were up at uh, the Lobe Field up there at, uh, by the park. And 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 what they were—they played ball. They were great ball players, but they also drink a lot of beer. And so not only did you have the bats to contend with, you had the beer to contend with. And my, my uncle never had a problem with me taking a swig of beer. So at a young age, you know, you just—he'd oh, say, "Hey, hey, Billy, give me a give me a beer." Well, you cap the well. No, they were bottles, so you'd have to take the top off. And of course, you want to make sure it's good, so you would handle long. So, this one particular night, I'll never forget it. My influence, and my uncle. My mom was at a PTA meeting and I was the bat boy. And so my uncle had me doing my thing at the softball game. And after the softball game, he was, took me to drop me off at my uncle's. Well, they were drinking beer after the game and everything. And of course, I'd open the beer for him. He always thought that was really cool. And I always thought it was cool to take a little swig of beer. So I'd give them the swig of beer. And he drops me off to let me go into the PTA meeting where my mother was. And uh, so I walk, you already know what's going to happen, don't you? So I walk in the PTA meeting. And then they say, Oh, Billy, where have you been? I said, Been getting drunk with my uncle. <laughs> Well, it didn't go over too well with my mom. My mom shot through that door. I don't even think she opened it and shot through that door and got my uncle out of that car and proceeded to tell him. I still thought he was so cool until later on I found out that he was actually an alcoholic and that he had some serious problems and that he was a self-centered person who really wasn't doing a whole lot of good in the family. But yet I thought that was cool. The world is trying to influence... Our children, the world is trying to influence our families, the world is trying to influence our government, and it's doing it all the wrong way. You and I have to make a stand. We have to stand up and say, I am proclaiming righteousness. I am going to influence people everywhere that we go. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I can do that. that. Now, have you ever heard this expression? Because a lot of people do this. They were under the influence. We know what that refers to drinking. I drank at an early age. Some of you may have drank at an early age. Some of you may be drinking. Alcohol basically messes with your mind and it puts you under the influence of something other than yourself. So you have to be real careful what influence you allow into your body. Uh, children want to grow up to be like dad. If dad drinks, the chances are the children are going to want to drink too. My grandfather was the type of person that he did. I love my grandfather. He did things that he shouldn't do, but he did them anyway. And I thought they were pretty cool too. And I always wanted to be like him. And he would say, listen, don't do what I'm doing. That's a contradiction for a person. You want to be like the person that you are being influenced by you will automatically become influenced by people. You'll want to go that way. Good influence or a bad influence. The most important thing is that we have to realize that everywhere that we go, we are influencing people. Can you say amen to that? And you're being influenced by people. Pam and I have made a decision. You have seasons of influence in your life and you have seasons where you're influenced by people. I can recall to this very day, my sixth grade teacher, Jack Oten. Some of you would know Jack. He recently went home to be with the Lord. Jack Oten just started teaching, and I'm in the sixth grade, and I'm playing on the basketball team, and we've lost every single game. You know why we lost every single game? We were really bad. <laughs> he was a good coach, but we were really bad, and we lost every single game up until the game before the last game, and there used to be a school here in Lafayette called Centennial, been gone for years, There's a school called Centennial, and we played them, and we beat them. And we went back into our classroom, and we were so excited. We were absolutely trashing Centennial with trash talk back in that era that didn't even exist, but we were doing it anyway. And Jack walked in. Our trash talk was, "They must be horrible because we're bad and we beat them." (laughs) (laughs) And I never forget Jack coming in, and he was always using things as an objective to teaching lesson. And he said, now, listen, guys, he said, we have been very gracious in our losses and we've learned how to handle losses. He said, but you've not learned how to be gracious when you win. You've not learned how to be gracious in victory. And he taught us a powerful lesson on being gracious no matter what the situation. I have never to this day forgotten that. That's been a long, long time ago but he had so many things that he imparted that were really positive. I think about my friend, Bill Lay. I called Bill Lay one time. This is not about me. This is about you because you have somebody input in your life right now that is a very positive influence. And you probably have some people that are a little bit negative that you need to stay away from as much as you can, but you have people also that you need to take the time to impart into their lives. Pam and I have made a decision with our grandchildren. You have them only for a season right now. Daniel is 24, 24 engaged. He's off doing his thing. Uh, we got kids at all sorts of different ages, but now we got, we got the, we got Carter who is freshman. Yeah, I want to spend a lot of time with Carter, mainly because he told Grandma he thinks his grandpa is cool. (laughs) Anybody anybody says that, I want to spend time with. But what it means is they're open to you. Does that make sense? It means they're watching you. And and, and little Molly, Molly will come up to me and she'll say, hey, do you remember this? And I don't remember anything she's saying. And she's so excited about it, and I'll say, I lie. Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. And she'll go on and tell the story. I don't even remember that, but she does. She does. And so we've made decisions to take them as as much as we can. The little neighbor girl, glory to God, what is she, four or five? She's She's four or five. Now, you have these same things going on in your life. If you don't deny yourself and forget about you and think about all the opportunities you have, you'll be about your business instead of about the father's business. And this little girl, Ava, every time my car comes around the corner, if she's out, our Pam, we pull in the driveway, we have to be careful we don't run over her. She's coming across there in the driveway to greet us and say, where's Molly, is she here today? And then she starts talking to us, and she talks so fast, I only get about every fourth or fifth (laughs) word, and I'm trying to hear exactly what she's saying, and it's just like she has opened her whole heart to us and she, we're kind of, almost like grandparents. She thinks Molly's our daughter, which yeah, kind of, kind of nice. But uh, she said, "Is your kid here today?" That's <laughs> why so she said, "Is your kid here today?" And I said, "No, she's not here today." But, but what happens then is you have all these opportunities to, to, to be imparted to, and, and, and there was a time in my life when. I'd called up Pastor Bill. There are many times when I'd call Pastor Bill, but on this one particular time, I was going through some things in my life that was a diff- difficult experience for me, and I wasn't handling it well, and I didn't think it was my fault, but it still was happening. How many of you ever have things going on in your life that they just upset you, and just you, you, just, you become less than what you could be? Can I see your hand? Okay, good. <clears throat> so I called Bill about this one particular thing. He said, I don't know the answer, to what you're going through. But I do know this. In my life, it has reached the point when I have decided that I am not going to allow an external force that I have no control over to affect my emotions. When he said that, it just exploded inside me. It's like, wow, that's really good. I'm going to do that. It changed my life forever. It changed my life forever because of an influence that I opened myself up to instead of trying to explain to somebody how bad I was being treated or all the things that weren't going right in my life. I just said, could you help me? And he gave me some profound advice. That influenced my life forever. You have influence to give. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you've got influence to give. Depending on your age, you've had a lot of seasons. Some of us have had a lot more seasons than others, and those seasons have been positive learning experiences, and they've been negative, like Dan said earlier. As a parent, I got my son here in the front row, Darren. How old are you now? Thirty? How old? Forty-five. Was I ten when I had you? When you. You, you get to the point in your life. Where now, now, I know Darren. He is a loving, caring, sweet, wonderful, kind. He's a lot like me. <laughs> now, I just, no, seriously, I, I, I take back the last part, but, that, but truly that is him. He, he would tell you that I was a great father. Well, I wasn't a great father because I didn't tell my children about Jesus. I didn't tell them about the power of the Holy Spirit that came later when I crammed it down their throat and said, you will, go to, you will go to church and you will be happy and you will love Jesus. And if you don't, I'm going to knock the crap out of you. It wasn't exactly like that, but it was close, wasn't it? I've been a good influence and I've been a bad influence. Darren came to live with us one time out in Tulsa. And I, I hadn't been saved very long. I was, I was really wired for being bad. <laughs> but I was one of those legalistic type guys that, you know, we will go to church. We will have a good time. You will pray in, in the Holy Ghost. Uh, you will have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by golly, I'm here to make sure it happens. And we won't listen to all those bad records. We're going to listen to nothing but Christian music. Copeland. Yeah, what, what 15-year-old kid wants to listen to Copeland? But that's what I did. So this, it's not funny, but it happened. One day, I've since apologized, but one day I, I find these records underneath uh, his bed. Uh, this is way before all the modern stuff. Ozzy Osbourne, the guy who loved to eat the bat heads and stuff like this, and all this kind of stuff that he knew was bad stuff. So I thought, i got to get him later because he was gone. So I took all the records, and I went... <laughs> <laughs> I went down Lewis. God has forgiven me, but it went down to Lewis, and there's a big stack of them. I just destroyed them all. Broke them all up and threw them in the trash. C- couple of, I didn't say anything to him. A couple days later, he said, did you take some of my records? And I said, yeah. He said, well, where are they? And I said, I destroyed them all. And he said, I borrowed them from the girl down the street. <laughs> I I said, "You what?" He said, "Borrow for the girl down the street." I said, "Well, you got some real tall tales to tell her because they are they are gone." I really did a horrible job, and I know I did during that period of time, and it makes me cry because I can't relive it. But I can do the right thing from this point forward, and so can you. Turn your neighbor says, "So can you." You might not have been a perfect father, perfect mother, perfect aunt, perfect uncle, whatever, but you can change and you can do the right thing now for the rest of your life. And that's what living is all about. That's why I believe when Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then in Ephesians, it says that that we should imitate God as dear little children. Children want to imitate their dominant influence. That's why every child, you know, Parents will say to me sometimes, What well, do you think it's wrong that I drink? Your parent, as a parent, you set the standard for your children. Uh, as as a, a leader, you set the standard for, uh, you know, I mean, what would it look like if I went out and drank? And you say, oh, the pastor's going out and drinking. How many of you do care? Well, most of you would say that's not a good role model. And then somebody would say, Well, is there anything wrong with drinking? Well, to drink a beer? Maybe that's not a problem for you as a parent, but maybe your son is of the line that the beer will make him an alcoholic. Well, is there anything wrong with smoking? Well, if your children want to emulate you and smoke like you do, I I like to smoke cigars when I was a little guy when I was fairly young because my uncle smoked cigars and I thought they were cool. Well, you may be able to smoke a cigar or smoke cigarettes and get by with it but downline somebody who you're an influencer of that could give them cancer and they could die from it. Does that make sense to you? In other words, people are watching what we do. And so we want to do what is going to influence them and be the best thing for them because they're going to want to be like you. Turn to your neighbor and say, somebody's going to want to be like you. And you all have, how many of you have an Uncle Bob somewhere in the family? Somebody that's pretty cool, but you know darn well he got you in trouble. Can I see your hands? Okay. Looks like most of you or many of you have an Uncle Bob somewhere. And what happens then is we get to the point when we don't want to be like that. Right now, one of the, my biggest influences, really, is is my wife. Uh, next to Jesus and the Trinity, uh, my wife is a tremendous influence to me. And I open myself up to her, even when I don't even want to hear the influence. Can all you husbands say Amen? Like I know you're right, but I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'll come back later. How many times have ever said, or how many times have you ever thought if you had just listened to me or whatever? Probably never. But uh, but been there. That's what I say. Been there, done that. But what happens then is we understand that all of life is going to be about being influenced or influencing and that the seasons of life change. We have right now, even though I wouldn't call it an inconvenience, but there are some times that we have to do something for Molly or somebody else or something like that. And it's a little bit out of the way. But we only have them for this season, and that season is short. And if you take advantage of the season, you can plant the seed, I think, about the mornings to take Annabelle to church or uh, to school. And and uh, I, I wish I could do that again. And now she's going to college. Well, maybe she'll need to ride to college. Glory to God. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Her mom did. I took... Uh, I took... <laughs> I took I used to have to take Lori's mom to college when it snowed because she didn't like to drive in the snow. But anyway. (laughs) How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about? This is not about me. It's about you, and it's about all of us. But you can relate to what I'm talking about. Wouldn't it be nice to relive some of those years? Yes, but we can't. But we can do the right thing from here on out. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth and shows us what to impart to people. If I raised you all over again, even though I know you love me, but if I raised you all over again, I wouldn't have broken all those records. I would have let you take them back to the girl, okay? I wouldn't have told you that you will love Jesus and you will go to church. First thing I did, first of all, we never, ever went to church. I got saved. we had gone through a horrible divorce, but I got saved, and I had decided that they would all go to church and that they would like it and that they would all wear a sport coat, a shirt, and a tie. They never wore a sport coat, shirt, and a tie. They hated the sport coat, shirt, and a tie, but I made them wear it anyway. And if that was the way I raised my children as a Christian man, you will love God or else Well it didn't work. Did it? <laughs> I know what he's thinking. I'll never sit on the front row again. <laughs> if you turn to Matthew chapter if you turn to Matthew chapter eighteen, sometimes in my life How many of you can relate to this? There are times in my life when the devil will come and tell me what a hypocrite I am. Because you didn't didn't raise your kids that way. That's not the way you were. The way you preach and teach and share with people right now, that's not the way you were. I finally came to the point when I realized, that's absolutely true. But I'm no longer who I used to be. It's no longer I who live. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives in you. I didn't always do the right thing, but it's never too late to do the right thing. Does that make sense? Let's just say, I don't always do the right thing, but it's never too late to do the right thing. And when we get that inside of us, that righteousness, I know who I am in Christ, not because of what I did, but because of what he did. And that in spite of my actions, he's going to use me to influence people. And I love to influence people. Larry Campbell, I use you a lot, but it's only because you're just so usable. Larry Campbell came to this church years ago. And he came to this church because he knew me way, way back in the Burger Chef era. And during that period of time, he thought, that guy can't be a pastor in a church <laughs> because he knew who I was, what I was, and how I acted. So he came to church, and he was here for one Sunday, I think. That was it. I never saw him again. And, uh, and then I never thought about it. I thought, well, oh, if he didn't like our church, he didn't like our church. And, but I thought, felt like the Lord gave me a word one day when I was praying, not even thinking about Larry. Call Larry Campbell up and tell him, you've got a word from me for him that he needs to get back in church right away. So I picked up the phone. I called Larry and said, Larry, Bill Mickler, I just want you to know i got a word I think the Lord gave me for you. You need to get back in church and get back right away. That's all I have for you. And I hung up. That's it. Didn't even give him a chance to talk. That was it. Next Sunday, I'd forgotten all about it. Next Sunday, I come in, Larry Campbell's sitting there. I said, Larry, what are you doing here? And he said, you told me to come to church. <laughs> He's been here ever since. I'm going to find somebody to take care of, of, of some of the people on the periphery that aren't doing exactly. How many of you realize, Manny, that, that when you're doing things, you sh- shouldn't be doing you don't feel like going to church. Is that true? true. For everybody. I'm talking to everybody. I'm sorry. Did I say Manny? <laughs> How many of you realize when you're doing things you shouldn't do and you know that if you go to church, you're going to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're going to start to cry and weeble and wobble and fall down, all that kind of stuff, and it's the last place you want to go in the flesh, but it's the place you need to be. So I'm going to get somebody to call people. And I'll give him a word that the Lord gives. Oh, this is good. I know what to do now. Larry, you can help me. Doesn't he need something to do, Melba, to get him out of the house? They both retired together. You really need to pray for him? No. They're doing, they're doing great. Now, I want to read to you in Matthew chapter 18, because this is the key that ties everything together to being a godly influence. It's in Matthew 18. The disciples, they were an interesting crew. We don't have to get into that now. But basically in Matthew 18, the disciples said, hey, who's going to be first in the kingdom of God? They wanted to, they wanted to know who's going to get the big seat. Who's going to have the greatest place here? And Jesus said, Just caught a little child to himself, set him in the midst and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means even enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as the one little child, as this one little child, is greatest in the kingdom of God. What is the key to being a positive influence? I believe it's humility. Turn to your neighbor and ask, How humble are you? How humble are you, Marie? Glory to God. Now, I love, I love Marie. Marie is awesome. Now, I want to read something to you right here. Where did I put it? Well, hallelujah. It's all about humility. Oh, here it is. Humility. To make low, unselfish concern for the welfare of others, person void of arrogance, conceit, haughtiness, and self exaltation and this is my definition a person who just wants to influence people for jesus who wants to help them be all that they're called to be who's somebody like Dan's father who says Dan I see your shoulders he shared that in the first service they're wide and you're starting to bulk up when he looked like a bean pole but he encouraged Dan we should be the greatest encouragers on the face of the earth amen let's stand to our feet now if you take this message and let it get deep within your spirit, you will realize that there are people by the spirit of the living God that are assigned to influence you. And when you're around them, you have to open yourself to them. Otherwise you'll think you've arrived. There isn't a single one of us that have arrived. We all need input from other people and God will show you who it is. And there are people you need to close it down and get away from them and not spend that time with them because they're taking you the wrong direction. But if you do that, you will then start to influence people with what God has already given you. And the older you get and the more experience you've had with the Lord, the more wisdom you have and the more you have to impart. It's not about you. It was about you until you got saved. Once you got saved, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. He came so that we would be forgiven of all of our sins, have eternal life, and be able to go out there in the highways and byways of life and make a difference. The world is dark and getting darker. There's no hope for the world, but there is hope. There is hope for the men and women of God who will go out into the world and say, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to dispel this darkness. I'm going to encourage, exhort, and edify people everywhere that I go. I am going to be a positive influence. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.